When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the latest instalment of the True Blue podcast from the Chester Chronicle. Uh, joining me today is a man who is will be familiar to many Chester fans for his period uh, as a manager during the 90s, between 95 and 99, if I'm correct. It was some, somewhere around about that. It was yeah. about four or five years. And yeah. obviously the voice you're hearing is that of Kevin Ratcliffe, who's also a player briefly for his 94-95 um, season. Um, yeah, Kevin's kindly agreed to, to come and have a chat with us and just uh, about his time in football, time with the Blues. Um brought us closest to, well, I think probably the closest we've been to, to Wembley in certainly in, in my lifetime in that playoff fi- semi-final yeah. uh, defeat just one two yeah, years yeah. ago but yeah. um, it, it, Shrewsbury followed your, your managerial assistant at, uh, at Chester but now since since Shrewsbury what have you you've been doing Kevin what have you been doing um, I've really sort of been working for BBC Wales um, you know as a, as a match summariser a uh, bit of TV work for them in the early days but once you get past your uh, age by date <laughs> uh, then you know the, the TV stops as another up and coming yeah. younger element um, but I'm still doing the radio I do a bit of after dinner speaking um, and that's about it really enjoying life uh, at a really a relatively young age I've been since about 42 43 sort of uh, part time I've been lucky enough to been able to do that um, get away in certain parts of the year that I've never been able to um, you know go into like maybe sort of not weekend breaks because that's where your work is but you know from a Sunday to a Friday I, I can also go to some cities in the in Europe that I've never been to and just travel a bit and you've had that I mean it's what any anyone starting out in football wants isn't it they want a career that starts in football when they're very young and it continues yeah, through and, well, and you, you've, you've had that I mean how did it all start start for you because obviously you, you, you're a local lad yeah well I, I think you know most of the people the older element know how it's all started over in Deeside playing football and Flintshire and, and that and signing for Everton as a 16 year old Chester was on the table at that time Chester was very much on the table it was a it was a flip between them and, and Everton uh, mainly because of a guy called Cliff Shear and the manager Ken Roberts who dealt with me really really well was no pressure on me to sign but wanted me so badly yeah. but no pressure which I liked um, and you know the, the area was you know quite vibrant for him as in you know the, the quality that we had in them days around the area um, you know I, I went to Wrexham didn't like Wrexham uh, there was too many Sort of, I would say, contracts going in the drawer and maybe got not going through yeah. as a schoolboy then. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, no, Chester made me feel a, a lot more welcome, uh, and I'd been to some big clubs as well. You know, Tottenham, Manchester City, I'd been, and, and didn't like either of them, um, especially when they put you know on the Broadwater Estate down in London to, yeah. to live in as a, for a week. And then in Moss Side in, yeah, <laughs> in Manchester. Yeah. So the only thing I need to do is go to Everton and stay in Toxteth. <laughs> and I, I've done the really round trip then, haven't I? <laughs> I mean, you, obviously you went to Everton. What, what was the selling point there? Because obviously it, it's a massive club with a, a massive heritage. I think my dad was an Evertonian. But he wanted me to sign for Chester, I think, because he thought I'd have a better chance of playing for the first team. Yeah. 
a bit like the Ian Rush. Yeah, there's so been a pathway there. To he, he was a year young, younger than me, Ian. Um, but the, that was the attraction for me, Dad. The attraction for Everton for me was the facilities. Um, so that, that that was the attraction, and that's why I signed really. And I was an Evertonian, so obviously your time at Everton coincides with working under the late great Howard Kendall. I mean, and yeah, the, the, a couple of league know, titles every, and everybody, Cup, European. Look, the one the one person that was quite significant in my career. And and you know the two our two paths really were through the, the really good times with Evan was Colin Harvey. He was my youth team coach. I got into the reserves and about about six months later he, he was then reserve team manager. Um playing in the reserves got in the first team and a year later he's first uh, first team coach. So, you know, our paths were following in the right direction, if you know what I mean. Although he'd been in that direction before yeah. as a player, as a young player at the club. Um, you know, our, our, our sort of success, you know, was that a lot of it was down to Colin. Oh yeah, yeah. Howard was very, very instrumental in it. But without Colin Harvey, I don't think that would have happened. Any of that success. You must look back on that period in the eighties. There was immense pride because that was looked look back as the golden era. It, it, it is. It, 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 you do immense pride, but you know, there's a there's a saying in football. You know, it happened so fast, and, and it is. It's it's a part of your life now where. It's a period of your life that's the percentage would be what twenty five percent of your life, um, and the older you get, it gets less. <laughs> do, you, do you get to enjoy it when you're in the moment as much, or, or no. are, you, are you in kind of a bubble and you don't yeah, really understand? You, you, you don't see you what don't, you don't the enjoy fans it as so much. much. No, you don't enjoy it. I thought the FA Cup that we won in '84, the, our first trophy, was a bit of a, you know, at the time. Um, you know, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, and maybe because you're all wrapped up in football, and you know, it, it's a game. You've you've won the game. You've won the trophy. You've had a party after. <sighs> That's it. Forgotten. Yeah. It's the next season. You're back into training. You know, the next match you need to win that. And so the fans get to savour and all. Yeah. To and it and you can look back. Bigger, and it? you can look back. And do you know what? You can have every medal in the world, but the memories are in your head. Yeah. Now. You know, they're not a plaque or you know a medal. That's nice to have. Um, it, they're in your head, and it, that it, I, I don't know. It seemed to be more important then to win trophies than it does now, um, because I think it's the elite teams that now we're looking at trophies more than maybe the non-elite teams. Yeah. That the you know that ambition from you know maybe teams outside the top ten are not as great as what they used to be, um, and I think that's down to. You know the money situation and what they're earning, uh, because to to earn a good living out of the game back in the 80s, you had to be successful because you were bringing in bonuses, you know, week in, week yeah. out, and that. So you know our bonuses would be as much as your wages per week, you know, maybe more. So you know the incentives to go out there and win. How, how do you intensify, you know, incentivize? What is it the world now? <laughs> you know, for players yeah. to go out there and win a game now, um, and I, I can understand look, that. Sometimes the, the, easy, character almost now, well, the, it, the so. easiest thing sometimes is to win something because you always want to win something else. Mm. Once you've had that taste, um, you know it's about you know wanting more, really. Yeah. I mean, do you feel that obviously it's a, the eighties was a difficult time for English football for reasons well documented? Do you do you feel that? Well, a lot of the younger the, people won't realise you know the financial hardship it was on everybody, the unemployment of everybody. Um, 
you know, we, we had strikes, the miners' strikes, um, and, and things like that. That you know, we're, when you when you're from a working class area, you know, we've got the steelworks in shop, mm. and then you understand what it's all about. Um, financially, people haven't got the money. You look at the gates back in them days; they weren't great gates. You know, so what they're getting now, yeah. um, the gates were pretty poor, but it was, uh, it, it was, a, you know, the, the mortgages were, like, you know, you're paying 14, 15 percent, you're on 60 percent tax. So, you know, for every hundred pounds you're earning, you're only getting 40 quid out of it. Yeah. So 400 pound out of a thousand pound, if you, you know, it's still a lot of money, but it was, uh, yeah, it was a little bit sort of. Uh, like I say, hard really. I mean, you couldn't go out a weekend, and you know, you say you got a fine from the club. Um, you couldn't go out um, for maybe a couple of weeks because you had to be prepared to pay for that fine in cash sometimes as well. Um, so you know, it was easier to discipline players uh, and keep like a tight ship. Yeah, I mean, and obviously, and. The Football side of things, there was um, there was the ban on English teams competing in Europe. Do you kind of feel sometimes you should have another couple of medals to to add to the collection? Because well, we during you know, that period, well, I, I was such a dominant. I always force, said that you know, we, we had a great force. chance because we had a great side. Um, things could have changed. You know, somebody could have got sent off in the game. We could have had a couple of injuries yeah. before the game. And if you go over to Romania and play against certain sides in them days in Bulgaria and Russia, um, and you go and play them sides, and you come away with a 1-0 or 2-0 if you come away with a 2-0 loss you're not going through by the way 1-0 you might have a chance but they'll come they'll shut up shop and they know if they can nip and get a goal they're more or less through to the next round well it's a cup competition then wasn't it Yeah. yeah. and most probably harder competition to win most probably the hardest cup competition ever to be won and that's why the European League now is a a money situation um, and, and not you couldn't afford to have a bad game. You yeah, look at the bad no, game. No, you couldn't no afford to lose a game. And these these clubs now can go. They can pick. They can leave players out. Messi was left out last week. Um, yeah, it's completely different. And yet you, you've got to change with the, the times. If it's good or if it's bad. If you like it or if you don't, then you've got to change if you can. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't swap it for my time. Was management always something you wanted to get into? Because obviously, after Everton, it was Cardiff derby. Um, brief stint in Scotland with Dundee. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah. Um, I was at Dundee first. Come down to um, Knotts Forest for three months. Didn't play a game, and then I went to Derby for the same reason, really, because they wanted a little bit of discipline in the changing room. They had quite young stars at Knotts Forest. There was the likes of Ian Wall, there was Stuart Pearce, there was Stan Collymore, uh, Lee. Rosario, was it? Uh, somebody that used to be at Norwich. He was at Man. At uh, Leroy Senior, was it? Yeah, yeah. Was it? No, it wasn't Leroy no. Senior. Robert Rosario. Rosario, Robert yeah, Rosario. Robert Rosario. Yeah. That was it. He was there. Uh, Dave Phillips, uh, Gemmel. So you know they they had a sort of young side. Then I went to Derby. The likes of Paul Kitson, Tommy Johnson, and all these younger lads that needed a little bit of discipline. And I, I felt that's what I was there for. Um, and I, I realised then that the likes of Darren Russell and uh, Craig Shorts, who were just early 20s, had never ever played with anybody with any experience. So yeah. they were learning the game. And the way that I learned the game in, back in <coughs> the day was the playing reserve team football with a, a first teamer that wasn't getting the opportunities to play or he's coming back through injury. And you learn your trade through somebody who'd been in the game for over 10 years. Did you. Had you. 
I suppose taking on that mantle of being the experienced pro and helping coach these lads along. Did that kind of fuel a fire to get into management, or did that kind of come, the, the, the thing I wanted to do was coach? That's that's the one thing I wanted to do was maybe coach. Um, in a in a way, not not a youth level. Um, I wanted to do it first team level or reserve team level. Whereas uh, I I always thought that I could you know by coaching maybe better a player even if it was only in a minute little way mm. that I could better somebody um, and one of the, the ways that I used to coach him was by playing with them in, uh, for the reserves and when I was at Chester I used to play as many reserve team games as I could especially when I was manager to help the youngsters and see what temperament they got if they were strong enough to actually become a player or not um, but also educate them and uh, talk them through games because that was a lack of people talking to each other in games so uh, I'd like to think that most players that I had you know the high percentage of them that I, when I had them did improve as players and you, you came to Chester with Mike Pedgick yeah come with Pedge, initial, yeah, which was look most probably the hardest job you're ever going to walk into you've most probably only got three or four players signed for the next year um, one of them was uh, Priest Roger Priest um, Chris Lightfoot who didn't want to be there because um, they'd come into this season on the back of yeah. a promotion but then it all Stuart turned very Rimmer, sour who was yeah. coming to maybe the, the back end of his career and I think he had two years left on his contract yeah. um, Stewie uh, there was a David Felgate so you know the, it was most probably coming to the end of his career as well um, and it was it was difficult for me because each day was not only a coaching day and a fitness day to get people fit but for us to judge them um, which was very, very difficult. Um, could I have done it? Maybe not. Um, Pedge did it to the best of his ability. Um, I could always see him not being there by the end of the season. Yeah. Because it would take somebody like Pedge to come in to get a squad of players together and the next man to benefit. Uh, and that was me. It was always going to be a difficult challenge, that wasn't it? Because it was. Uh, well, he was taken away, it, it, you know, from Graham Barrow coming yeah. in leaving the club. Um, f- uh, you know, for somebody to leave the club because of um, they've, they've got promoted as well. Um, and you know, all the better players went, didn't they? Yeah. You know, yeah. The centre yeah. half went. Um, Colin Greenall. Colin Greenall yeah. went, and I think there was a winger that went. David Pugh went David as well. Pugh, yeah, there was Mark yeah, yeah. Uh, all, all the cornerstones all, of that team all, from the previous all season. The all, all John, the you know, I, I think me and Pedge were seen a bit of, uh, as the bad boys coming in. Um, you know, because obviously we never got promoted. But you know, Morrison's the owners then. You know, the budget for that level was the same budget as what they got promoted with, and you know, for us to you take on your Birmingham our ambition. <laughs> was like just trying to get a team together we knew it was going to be a struggle um, and unfortunately you know Pedge left Derek Mann took over which was disastrous the, the most unenthusiast person I've ever yeah. come across is there a reason you didn't want to step up for yeah because Pedge brought me in I, no. I owed him something I, I didn't quite think I was ready for it but after seeing what Derek Mann was like then I realised that you know I was a stronger person to him I had better ideas in him and I think when the, I did training the training was fun for the players and I made a, the, my ambition then when I got in believe it or not it might seem a, a, a sorry ambition was not to finish bottom and I think we finished second from yeah. bottom because of Leighton Orient 
you know, and, and most probably with some good performances. You know, Chris Lightfoot, who made it obvious he didn't want to be at the football club to us, never ever didn't look like that on the pitch or in training. He'd be a bit sulky sometimes, that, that was Chris's nature, but never ever did he, you know, sort of become a problem for us. You know, or, you know, he wasn't sort of like trying to get himself out the door earlier. Um, and, you know, we, we did sell him the following year, we sold him to Wigan because Graham Barrow took over yeah, there. Yeah. Um, and I got made the manager, so it was. Um, yeah, we were lucky. We had a, a couple of young good, a lad called John Murphy who was coming through. Who you could, I, I could see that you know the potential that he had, the touch that he had, you know, just in little training sessions. Because I used to take the, the youngsters when Pedge was there or Derek Mann, and I could see things in him. Um, but I knew that he needed that little bit of time to develop as a player, maybe somebody, and that's one, one of the reasons I brought Cyril Regis in. And obviously that summer. We go down. You've got a rebuilding job on your hands. I mean, and it's your team then. So that's it. Uh, well. The thing is, you know, I've got I've got a basis. I've got the likes of um, Ian Jenkins was another guy that was still there. I've got Roger um, Price. I've got Spencer Whelan. You know, so I'm starting to bring in a couple of other players as well. I think the lad Julian Alsford that uh, Pedge had brought in from Watford. Um, you know, so I wanted these lads, and obviously there was. Uh, so, I've forgotten now. Peter Jackson, that was brought in. Yeah. So I've got two young centre halves. I got Peter Jackson, who was a you know, top pro. Um, Chris Priest, who took maybe six months to find his feet at that level, but become a good player. I brought in Nick Richardson. I think Neil um, Fisher. Fisher. Yeah. Did Flickcroft come in that summer as well? Fl no, Flicker was already there. What a diamond of a guy, and a diamond of a, a lad to have around. Um, Eddie Bishop said that uh, of all the players he's played with, he was the least likely to become a manager. <laughs> he said not because he he said absolutely fantastic guy, great footballer, but he said he didn't think he'd become a manager. No, I think I think he said he was very surprised. Um, I wasn't surprised that he wanted to become a coach and he was a coach first um, because at a young age, I think he was 22 there, and I, I pulled him in one day and I said, look, you've you've got to go and take your coaching badges. You're so enthusiastic if it's a match, if it's training or whatever. I used to, at, at, a, at a young age, I was telling him to go out there and warm the players up, and they, they'd be rolling around with, in laughter. Now to have that, you know, when you've lost a game, yeah. and then to be able to do that for you, the manager on a Monday or a Tuesday, um, or even later in the week, was an absolute asset. And I thought that, and he wanted to learn. You know, he'd got two brothers that were highly thought of. One playing for Manchester City. The other one signed for Blackburn as a young lad, come through the... And he was the, the middle one who was maybe less thought of, if you mm. know what I mean, but wanted to make it maybe more than they did. Um, and he come to me once and he, he used to get absolutely hammered by the supporters. Because um, he used to give the ball away a lot. Mm. And he come to me and I said, he said, I don't know if I can say... I, I think he was looking at being left out. Uh, and I turned to him and I said, look, there's... There's maybe only one or two of you that actually get on my team sheet each week. And I said, and you're one of them. And he looked at me. But I keep giving the ball away. And I said, yeah, but you have the ball more times than anybody else. So you're going to give it away more than anybody else. You know, so yeah. just take a little bit more care, maybe. Choice or whatever. And he seemed to, 
you know, so because I had the confidence. Once in the ball, isn't yes, it? yeah. I says a lot of players go hiding when they're having bad games. Yeah. Not bad games, but giving the ball away or, or whatever. He wasn't having bad games. He, yeah, he was giving the ball away. But he was a young, enthusiastic kid that played at 100 mile an hour. Yeah. Um, and most probably playing in a position that, in time, he did move to the central and midfield. But he played right wing for me most of the time. <laughs> you bring in. Cyril Regis during that summer was that because obviously your pass with Cyril would have crossed during play. It was my first. It was my first signing. It's something that I thought we needed a target man at that level, and I always knew that a first signing had to be a good signing, and especially the way that I was thought of. You know, I still regard as one of Pedge's yeah. uh, people. Uh, so I brought brought him in. Obviously, we got the pace of Andy Milner um, and Neil Fisher, a bit of guile, composure. And it was just blending together. You know, we had uh, I think I think Jason Burnham was still there. Left back was he full back, or maybe I might have changed it. I can't remember. Then, um, it, yeah, it was it was it was coming. You know, the, and I think the lad like lads like the type of football they wanted to play. We worked on certain things. Uh, the big one was Gary Shelton coming in uh, from his, his sort of transformation from being a, a player to a, a coach. Um, Did he prove an invaluable asset to have on the on the side? Yeah. You, had a, you had a you had a close knit team during your time there. Yeah, you yeah, yourself, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was training with them, and you know, you you know, I, I I really had a good group, especially when I got Stuart Walker in as the physio, and the three of us really worked really well. Bill Wingrove upstairs, um, Derek Barber, who was the secretary at the time, when he left, Jill took over. Who was for most of me most the most valuable person in that football club when he left because she became the secretary, she became everything. The wages girl, um, and it was it was a it was a great environment and family club to be work work with. There was no fractions the in it that as well, wasn't it? Well, it wasn't just that my time there was a most enjoyable time I've had. Um, whereas that everybody was pulling together. We always first one in put the kettle on, um, and I made a, a rule. That nobody, um, nobody answered the phone until quarter past nine, so that we could have that time to sort of yeah. say, "Oh, where did you go last night? What did you blah blah blah?" You know, and it, all of a sudden everybody's pulling together, and they'll do something for you that maybe, you know, what's he asking me to do that for? So that that was a good thing. So Joanne in the uh, what's her name, the, the souvenir shop, and I think she did the, the promotional stuff as well. So it was it was good. It was good. There wasn't many of us work there, but it, it was an enjoyable uh, environment to work with, especially the groundsman as well, Gary. Season, wasn't it? Gary and John, John Ipkiss and uh, Gary, the groundsman, who, who for for us to train on the pitch every Friday, and the pitch looked as good as it was, um, and for as little as he got paid, I, I must admit that he did a hell of a lot. And that season was a. It was a strong one. I mean, we were in the in the mix for playoffs for, for a good chunk of it. Um, certainly, that's when the season I really became. I mean, my favourite yeah, season watching Chelsea yeah, was ninety three, ninety four. Yeah, yeah. Promotion I, stayed yeah. for it. Second, obviously, Division Two is difficult. Yeah, I mean, look, Division we got, three again was we, got, we got drawn against obviously against a, a really good side, a Jan Mulby, Swansea. And you, when I think about the players they had that went on to bigger and better things, that was the ninety six, ninety seven yeah, season, wasn't it? Yeah. We came so close. Yeah. So, yeah, you know. It, to get beat, yeah, it was hard. But you know, to a side like them that went on 
seen most of them players went on to uh, a lot of good things. I think one or two of them become internationals later on. Um, I think one of them become the, the right wing back, become a, a centre forward, <laughs> scoring goals. Um, yeah, Di, I think it was Di Griff up front or something, who scored. Roger, Roger Freestone and goal went Roger on to, to play goal, for Wales. Yeah. So they, they had a lot of good players. So I was, you know, we, we stood our own, and most of we technically weren't as good as them. Uh, they played a different system to us. They played like a 3-5-2, uh, a, a uh, where we played a 4-4-2. Um, and we, we competed, we did okay. You know, the, I can more or less, uh, you know, the, the midfield of uh, Roger Priest, uh, sorry, Chris Priest, and um, Sean Reid. Um, and uh, I, think she, I think Chris got sent off in the yeah, first yeah. game. And that was... Um the Dave drama Penny. itself at the virtual yeah the well there was a lad that broke his leg in that game as well and I think if he hadn't broken his leg then maybe that we would have had a better chance it just seemed to entice game stopped uh, for a good 20 minutes he, you know the ambulance drove onto the pitch it was that bad poor guy I don't think it was a bad towel mm. there was a lot worse towels in the game and nobody was injured but I think Chris Priest got done for punching Dave Penny something like that or Tyler I can't remember what it was but there were the, I'm saying a punch because there were quite a few punches in that yeah. game yeah. <laughs> especially it's after the game as well trail, apparently after the game yeah and I, I was one of these because I played for Cardiff got a little bit of stick off the Swansea fans they didn't like me and yeah it was very hostile it's one of the most hostile environments I've been involved in Do you feel when kind of going into that because you're so close to, to Wembley is it a different I mean a lot of people say I've spoken to managers you've played and taken, mm. gone to Wembley or managers who've actually taken a team there would that have been kind of one of the greatest achievements of, of you because you, you've you've guided that, that team it's something you've moulded yeah it would have been it would have been nice I think uh, you know highs and lows would be you know, keeping Shrewsbury up and Chester going down yeah. for me um, I didn't want Chester to go down I wanted the the, the chairman to go down yeah. <laughs> in different ways yeah. Um but not Chester, and it was always a fight between Shrewsbury and Chester, um, and you know with it being so local as well. And the other one was Shrewsbury getting relegated, you know, from having a great cup run, and then that season getting relegated. So the highs and the lows are for for in the in a managerial career for a different club. Um, whereas I always thought that at, at Chester, whatever we achieved at Chester was a bonus with the budget that we had. And we punched above our weight. It was we, lurching from crisis to crisis yeah, during the 90s as well. What's that like to deal with as a manager? Because obviously you have, you have chairman... It's a flux, isn't it? The, the football my, club my, advice, my advice would be to any chairman at a football club, address the situation, go down and meet the players, talk to them, let them talk to you. Um, don't let it get out of control, that meeting between the, the, the chairman um, and the players. Uh, and tell him, don't tell them lies be honest with them and they will respect you more for that do you feel like you were kept in the dark a long, a lot, for a lot of the time in the 90s you were, you, you were telling them things that the chairman were telling you and then the chairman was telling like, me lies right. and I was in the same boat as the players I wasn't getting paid they weren't getting paid but financially most probably I could deal with it a little bit better than them they were you know you've you got to remember these guys were getting if they weren't they didn't pay their mortgage there wasn't money in their account they hadn't any money for the mortgage then they'd be getting a £20 letter through the door how do you get players in the right frame of mind because you're all in the same boat you're all in the same boat 
you're playing for your careers. You're most probably playing for another club now. So, you know, keep your standards up and then if you can go, you can go. If you get the opportunity to go, just go. I can't do anything about it. Um, and then, you know, Did the you follow- feel like walking away during that, when it gets so uh, bad, the crisis, or, or do you feel that obligation well, seen, to stay for the also, Yeah, that's one. It did come to a head and I did walk away. Um, but, you know, leading up to it, um, we'd sold Matty Mackay. And that's a story in itself because yeah, yeah. he, he wasn't. I remember um, uh, I spoke to Matty a couple yeah. of years ago, and he said that it all came about with. It was all a bit of a, a blur. Yeah. Gary Bennett went on the pitch and said during the training session, "So we kind of need you, to, need you to, <laughs> need you to go in a nice way, saying it's yeah. a good move for you." And this yeah. yeah. How would you broach that? Because obviously, it's uh, it, it, look, very much it was a deal which player. needed to happen, wasn't it? Yeah. And it, you can't stand in any young player's way. Uh, look, we'd hidden him away for for years in the youth mm. by playing him in different positions, so other clubs couldn't see him. We knew this lad had a potential because at 16 years of age, he was near enough ready to go in the first team. He's quite an aggressive player as well. Um, I wouldn't say he was the brightest player, but he was quite an aggressive player and but had technical abilities as well. Uh, good engine, good pace. Um, he went and played for Everton reserves uh, and stood out. One thing that stood out for me was he made a tattle on somebody from Blackburn Reserves, who was a first team player coming back. He made a crunching tattle on him and just walked, got up and walked away from it as if nothing had happened. And um, I knew that would stand out for Howard. So Howard bought him for the 200 and odd thousand with add ons and this up to nearly a million pounds. Unfortunately, he had a bad injury. But he also sold Ian Jenkins and um, Julian Alsford. Dundee United, wasn't it? I think it was Dundee or Dundee United, yeah. one of the two. So we sold them for a combined of 180 grand. But they wanted, I think it was, they had 180 grand to spend. They wanted these two players, and he, the manager at the time notified that he wanted these two players. Um, so the, Ian Jenkins was 100 and. No, sorry, Ian Jenkins they wanted for 40 grand or 60 grand and Julian Alsford for the rest of the money, 100 and thousand pounds. And I said, yeah, you can do the deal on one, <laughs> only on one condition, what's that? And I said, well, you reverse that because Ian Jenkins will go for 140 and we'll sell Julian Alsford for 40 but you're still spending the same yeah. amount of money. And they always said a reason. I said, yeah, we've got, we got to pay a percentage on <laughs> Julian Alsford to Wal- Watford, so the less we pay for him, get for him, the less we pay yeah. him. So they agreed to that. They went, so if you think we got nearly 500 grand in for three players in that period, and I turned around to the chairman, you've got to make sure this doesn't happen again. And within six months, we're back in the same. And there was a, more than one occasion, I mean, you look back and there was... You see it on the the highlight reels and some of the old old clips that are shown. Um, there's more than one occasion when it, it seemed like it could be the last game we ever played. I mean, there's, there's so much uncertainty. Well, uh, there were so many things happening behind my back. Um, you know, it was all right when you're in administration. You know where you are, what you've got to do. I mean, they come to me. The administrators come to me. We need, we need seventy odd grand, sixty grand by the end of the month. Otherwise, we're going to have to wind up everything up. So lucky enough, we sold the lad Alex Smith for ninety-five grand that month. Um, that happened, and, you know. So we were surviving. Got to the end of the season, the club was sold to uh, the lad Smith, Terry the Smith, American, yeah. and uh, 
that's when it all started going downhill again for me. I mean, I, I thought, oh, this is great, and blah, blah, blah. But what were your first impressions of that? Because obviously there was such a long drawn-out affair. I mean, it, there was a few consortiums involved. It um, never materialised. I always thought there was being lied to. Always thought I was being lied to. Um, I wanted to sign contracts, uh, get contracts sorted, coming up to the start of the season. But we've got to get these contracts. Yeah, 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 OK, blah, blah, blah. He was telling me, and um, I just sort of said right okay when can we start talking about it he said, oh, I don't know I can't do anything until the 20th of July and I'm thinking oh, that's a bit close you know 20th of July so uh, we're back in training you know some of these lads haven't signed contracts we need them to be signed otherwise they're signing for other clubs yeah. you know they're thinking of going to other clubs so I said can we sign them We've got this money blah blah he said no I can't make that decision until the 20th of July so this is like the 10th of July or something. I go out that room, I go home, I get a phone call that night, and, and the phone call's off Gary Bennett. And Gary Bennett turns around to me and says, uh, Gaffney says, I've been told by the chairman I've got to come in for eight o'clock every morning and can't leave till after five o'clock at night. I'm injured, I've got to have that. I said, you what? So the next morning I was stomped into his office and I says, do not talk to my players until the 20th of July. I've just gone down there and said you can't make decisions on wages or what on contracts, but then you're telling a player to come in. I said you're undermining me, you know. So I, and that's when I really sort of. Um, and then we, I think, three games into the season. Did you get the sense he wanted to have some kind of control over the actual team affairs? Because obviously, as a uh, he, was, he was, uh, yeah, he was wanting to bring players in. Look, I mean, some of the players he was bringing into training were far from the standard. And he, he didn't really see what we had, as in the youngsters coming through, the lad Black, Blackburn. Black Blackburn, yeah. You know, so he brought this lad in from America. So, you know, lad in from coming in from America, uh, who was 22, 24 years of age, he's going to have to pay him a bit of money, going to have to pay him digs and this, that and the other. We had Chris Blackburn on something like £60 a week, who was, he was stopping his progress, really. So, yeah, it was a bit... Someone who's, I mean, you, you, he, he, had, he hadn't a clue. He hadn't a Scooby Doo how to run a football club or how to deal with players. Um, he's signing a, a lad in from because we'd seen him once for Warrington and he gave Ross Davison a little bit of a run around. He was quick um, and he, he signed him on and £120 a week, um, which how the hell the lad could afford to get in every day for training. And that contract was put in a drawer. I found it in a drawer uh, about a week later. And I turned around to Jill and said, what's that? He said, his contract, he's told me not to put it into the FA. He's not sure about it yet. And he, the lad thought he'd signed for the club. So I'm, I'm sensing all these things going wrong. You know, we're having, we had an African lad turn up. I can't remember what, what country he was from. And he turned up, he's got no boots to training. And I'm turning around and thinking, I turned around to him and said, look, your joiner doesn't turn up to work without a hammer or a saw. <laughs> so if you're a football player and you come for a trial at the club, you've got to turn up with boots. Um, yeah, it was just uh, getting very, very sort of, and I'm sensing this, and, you know, a week before the season starts, we've not got one player, other than the players that signed the year before, we've not got one player signed on. He goes on holiday. The players that you had signed on must be petrified about what's to come. <laughs> Well, they're still there. They're still a little bit desperate, really, to get a contract signed, yeah. you know. Um, so, 
literally he gets in there on the on the make contact with him on the Thursday. He's in there on the Friday. We can't train because all the lads are lining up outside his office to actually sign a contract or not for the Saturday. Who were playing Barnet? Uh, who we lost to three one. Um, but it was my fault. <laughs> um, and after the game, his dad had come over from America. And uh, I walking down the tunnel after the game, and uh, he come past me and he says, uh, "You haven't seen Keith, have you?" About this is was his father, who was the, I think, pumping money into the club. Um, and uh, I said, Keith, and he went, "Yeah, yeah, the manager." And I just went, "Yeah, he's in the changing room," and walked past him. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and then I had a meeting with him the next day. Um, and obviously, I'd been in the press and said a few things, so uh, I got a written warning. But the written warning was done on this scraggy piece of paper, which I couldn't believe was put on. So I just shoved it back across the boardroom table after being in there for two hours on a Sunday and shoved it back across the table after reading it and said, if you put that on headed paper and sign it by you and your father, I will take it to my solicitors and see what they've got to say. I've never seen a piece of paper again. But it was like the scraggiest piece of paper you'd ever seen, and it was like, for me, I'm thinking. <coughs> you know, and it's like yeah. a, it's someone you've—it's it's a player you never shirked a challenge, did you? But yeah. it must take something to get to a point where you've—I'm seeing a buffoon. I'm seeing a buffoon running a football club, and I've done a bit of research, and everything that he's touched has gone tits up. Yeah. You know, he had, uh, I think, an ice hockey team, he had a team in America, it's all gone wayward, it's gone out, it's spiralled out of control. Um, and some of the other stories that come with that, with the way that players have been treated, if it be football, ice hockey, or whatever, then he was out of his depth, yeah. miles out of his depth. And, you know, was, wasn't a very nice person. So then it all comes to a head, you leave? Um, I leave, yeah, I, I left, I had a... You know, I, my ambition at the start of that season was to get every player signed and make sure that they were okay. Uh, and Could you see the iceberg almost? Yeah, yeah. so I, there was only one player there, a lad called John Jones, yeah. who wanted a little bit too much money. Uh, he, he was adamant that he was hanging out. So, uh, that you know, if, if you look at all the players and just there's just one that hasn't signed, then... I was quite pleased with that. Yeah, I was disappointed for the lad, but you know, hold on a minute. You've got to look on a percentage. And were you disappointed it ended the way? Because I'm, I'm sure your ambition would have been to. to well, I'm sure it, with, with the teams that you had and, and how close we came, were you, did you feel like it was almost you, you were leaving kind of with, with unfinished business in terms of your, well, it, when, it was, when the teams not, there which deserved when the promotion. You, when you're almost. not getting the back in, I had the opportunity on about two occasions to actually go and sort of manage other teams Cardiff being one yeah um, but no I didn't you know I didn't leave I, I could see the potential there but unfortunately when you when you get to so far with the budget that you've got and then you need you know a bit more and unfortunately that's not there you know you don't get that backing so you realise you can only go so far um, and sooner or later it's going to go belly up um, so if you don't get that opportunity to get out, then my advice would be next time uh, I should have gone. So you, you you go to to Shrewsbury. Yeah. Um, 
it's, it becomes a bit of a, a duel towards the end of the season between Shrewsbury, Chester, Carlisle. Well, I've, I've, I've gone to a club that's um, been not very well run financially, and uh, to a club that is, in some ways. Mm. <laughs> um, the players' budget was as good as, as Chester's, uh, a lot better actually than Chester's. Um, a little bit more freedom to bring players in. The manager didn't mind going out and spending thirty grand if you needed to spend thirty grand, but not not every year. But mm. you know, in them days, it was quite a bit of money. Um, but the budget when I got there, every player was on the same money. So I um, <coughs> I got the coaches who were already there. Uh, Roger Priest was one. Um, Chick Bates. I even got the physio involved. And I said, right, we're going to have five aside today. Uh, I want you to pick your best team. And everybody had a different five. And I looked at it, it was quite amazing. You're at a football club, everybody's got a different five. So where's your best players? You know, so everybody would have a different five. Maybe bearing, yeah, yeah, most of them had the different five. So, you know, I said, whenever you go, there's always a first pick and there's always yeah. a last pick. I was always maybe three or four left at the end before they'd become last pick. Um, so the manager had put everybody on the same wage, really. Um, and you could all, you, you knew really why everybody liked the manager that yeah, had just yeah, gone and yeah. been sacked, like called Jake King. Um, so I, I had a little bit of a battle that year because I was left, well, I had them players, I was bringing players in that really, you know, were bottom of the barrel, really, because you, you're battling against relegation. Why would you want to go against? Don't play for the team that's battling against relegation. Mm. It's easier when you're at the top to attract players, but when you're at the bottom to attract Just players. During the campaign. As yeah, well. yeah. yeah. That, that, it, you know, it might be great if I can save it, but they come with a price. They'll want a big bonus for that because they're taking a chance. And uh, we scraped through by the skin of our nose at the end. Mickey Brown. Mickey Did Brown, the, 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 yeah. Oh, that yeah, is Mickey Brown yeah, sent Chester down, then he, uh, then he ended up signing for us a couple of, a couple yeah, of years later. Look, what a great lad. Was that bittersweet, though, for you? I mean, obviously, the, the delight of, yeah, of keeping Yeah, and the players that the I job knew done, were there that I, you know. Um, but it's um, for, a, for a football club where you spent well, I, I, the best I, part of five years. It was funny it? because when I went there, and obviously I was tagged with Chester um, to Shrewsbury, we had a. Look, you always have a supporters meeting when things aren't going well. When things are going right, you never have a supporters <laughs> meeting. They don't want to ask the questions. Either. You know, all there is, you, you look at the numbers that are in the room and there's like minimal. Mm. So I've gone to this supporters meeting and obviously they're a little bit unhappy that I've got the job. Uh, so what, what's your ambition? What was your ambition at Chester? That was it. What was your ambition at Chester? And I said, and do you know what? I said, uh, every year we played was to finish above Shrewsbury. And we did. Yeah. So, what's your ambition now? I said, well, at this moment in time, finish above Chester. <laughs> which, 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 which you proved. did. It was, uh, yeah. But I know you touched on it before, but it was a, a case of it. It must be a strange mix of emotions in, in terms of very, very much, very much. You, because you've still got you've still got people there. You know that uh, it, it's more the the emotion was that I've I've done the manager, they've done the chairman, yeah, the owner. Um, you're playing silly buggers. Um, you know, I took Dave Fogg with me and not Gary Shelton. Um, and I just thought that Dave had the more experience in coaching and maybe they needed more coaching than what I'd had because I didn't. I brought them players in at Chester. Um, so I took Dave with me, which caused a bit of a rumpus because 
chairman was obviously fuming that I'd taken one of his staff but he, Dave didn't want to be there and he was messing Dave about making it awkward for him and yeah. Dave didn't like it anyway so we ended up in a bit of a, a sort of a tribunal thing for that which he got told not to be wasting the FA's time or the football league's time about, and he turned up late for the meeting so it was yeah it was, it was, it was quite interesting all these little bits that were going on between the two clubs as well. I mean, it came to end in 2003 for yourself at Shrewsbury, but a few months before you actually did leave there, you had that phenomenal success over um, over Everton in the FA Cup. Um, Well, ironically, you know, you beat Everton and then you don't win another league game. You know, so that that game against Everton was early January and you don't win another league game, so you get relegated. And the players that I had were, um, were good players, but unfortunately, the spine of the team went missing and that was my big budget. So I've got... Um, okay. and Nigel Jemson as a striker I got um, Mark Atkins as a centre midfield player all over the age of 30 by the, by the way touching the age of 34, 35 and oh, Christ, I can't remember the, the centre half's name from um, from Plymouth really, really good experienced centre half and I had that spot and they all went they all, they all got injured and good long-term injuries. So when you lose that, it's a little bit different. But you know, I look back. We got relegated, but we turned down. Um, I sold Dave Hughes the year before for five hundred thousand to uh, Cardiff. I turned down nine hundred grand, or I didn't turn around. The, the manager turned around nine hundred grand for two players. Um, so. And then we took the, the club to the third, fourth round in the FA Cup. We went from six hundred, seven hundred thousand pounds in the red to six hundred grand in the black, and we've turned that down for two players. So there's one or two ways of looking at it. How yeah. you go? Do you make money for a football club, or do you put money in it to get it promoted and be better? But I, I quite enjoyed sort of turning players into. Couple of hundred thousand pound yeah. players, you know. I mean, you had some success with that over the years as well. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I made a lot of money for for Chester. I made over a million pound for Chester with bringing games into the football club, um, you know, pre-season and things like that. So, you know, I'd, you know what what you might see on piece of paper as a, that you're getting relegated or putting the club going through an administration. Um, and getting relegated at Shrewsbury, you might look. But if you look at the financial side of running a football club, um, you might disagree at, at Chester. But the money was there to actually save the football club. And then you leave the football club with maybe nearly a million pounds worth of talent and the likes of John Murphy. Um, what's the, the other centre forward I'm trying to think now? Ginger Eddie, lad from Barnsley way. Luke Beckett. Luke Beckett. Okay. Yeah, you know, Luke went on to have a great career. Yeah. Um, so there was money in the team that could have gone on why didn't you keep on in management after game was changing uh, management power was turning into player power discipline was very hard to to install on a player Um, I was always brought up that the manager was always the best paid person at the football club and maybe while I was at Chester and um, Shrewsbury I was but I could see that changing So once you don't become that best played person at the football, that manager, I think you lose control. Um, yeah, it's, 
it, it did, you know. I mean, when you find players in the past, it hurt them to be finding it. You know, the, the, the players, I always had a, a certain amount of players that used to install the fines for you and keep discipline within the changing room. I'd kept discipline within the club, they'd keep it within the changing room. Um, but when the older players are doing that and then they're known as grasses <laughs> for grassing that you've been late by one minute or two minutes. Um, I had this conversation with Eddie Bishop one day that you've interviewed and Eddie was five minutes late for training, half past ten. You know, some people have been in work since half past seven, half past six in the morning. He couldn't get there on time, for although he did have another job. I said, Eddie, that's a £10 fine for being five minutes late. And he turned around to me and said, what's the difference between being five minutes early and five minutes late? I went £10. He went, no, no, you don't get me, Gaffer. He said, what's the difference between being five minutes late and five minutes early? And I went, £10 still. <laughs> and if you do it again, 20 <laughs> He just couldn't get it. But what a great lad, what a great lad. Great player to, or great person to have around a football Do you have a lot of offers still coming through because obviously your, your, your CV was a, a strong one um, um, yeah look, look or did you it, kind it, of put the it, word you, out there you, you, you're, a, you're a Chester fan um, you're from the area you you actually know what, I, what I've done what I've been up against um, people in South End know that all they see is results mm. I get getting the LMA phoning me up and saying oh what a great job you're doing keep doing that I said well, what about the person down in South End? Supported in South End. All he's doing is saying Kevin Reckler's in charge of Chester at the bottom of the league. Or Shrewsbury Town, something, you know. They, they don't know the ins and outs of the football club and what you're being having to put up with. So, my suggestion to any manager is if you've got managing a, a smaller club or a lower league club and you're doing well and somebody comes in for you, go. Go. Because you're only six games away from the sack. And these chairmans have got funny ambitions. And uh, it's all the status thing sometimes to them. Did you make a conscious decision after Sh immediately after Shrewsbury? Did you did you carry on looking for a bit and then just think, you know what, this isn't this well, isn't really for me? I applied for one job, never even got a, a thing back, and I thought, do I want it? And I was getting involved with the media a little bit more, and I thought, well, I quite like this, but I need to find something else to do to keep me a little bit occupied for a few years. So. I sort of started doing the after dinner circuit, and uh, yeah, I'm quite. Do you ever miss money? But now you kind of think no, it's no, something you'd never. No. no, it's changed completely now. I'd go back in on an advisory role or as an assistant type of, but not on the training field. I think that even their methods have, have changed. Um, I, I'd do the odd one or two, maybe because it would be different for them, I'm sure. But are things changed differently? It's still a ball. It's still a field that you're playing football on. I think it's just the way that the rules have changed the game. Um, I, I, I didn't like the way that the game of football was going anyway. Um, I still don't, but you know, you're involved with it. I see more poor games than the good games. Um, and like I say, I think the rule changes have actually ruined the game more for me. You know, and I'm sure if you speak to most people my age, yeah, they'd agree with that. They'd, they'd, Your heart's still alive with it. It's always been there. It's always been there. Um, and you know it's it, it's very hard not to when you've been there. That's been a big part of your life, and especially when you've been a supporter. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go there when I can. Do you think there is a a chance of them kind of or another the, team breaking through and they, breaking they, the mould and, they, and to, to to kind of get close to what you guys well, did? Well, do you know what the, what Leicester did the other year is giving everybody hope. I don't think just Evertonians, um, but I, I think it's proved that. 
if you've got a bunch of guys that are willing to pull together and run the socks off for the manager and the football club, then you've got every chance possible. You've got to admit that them lads weren't technically as good as the Manchester Cities of the world, but you look at what they put into every game, um, you know, through that season, 38 games of the season, and you're just waiting for them to slip up, but they found another gear, they found another bit of energy, and I just think it's given every club a little bit of hope that maybe one day you could find that right team. It reminded me very much of the way that our team was put together. All of a sudden, you've clicked and that's it. And you've got this habit of winning and you don't like losing. You're going out there. You've got a striker that's scoring goals. He's on form. Um, yeah, it, was, it must have been great. I'm going to put you on the spot now like I did for Eddie. All right, okay. um, A couple of weeks ago. Probably a bit more different for you because you, you were the gaffer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I asked Eddie to pick his... Um, is Chester eleven from the players he's played with? Oh, so right. say in terms of say if you were, this was a, it's the playoff semi final against Swansea in that yeah, yeah, But yeah, if yeah. you could pick any player from the, the, the period you've spent as Jesus, as, right. can as I have a look at Eddie's? Um, what, what he's I done? Probably really off, <laughs> off the top of the head actually. Oh, can it's you? Not on here, no. Because um, he played with some good players. Yeah, yeah. Pewey, yeah, that Pewey in the side. He'd have the the lad at the back that you mentioned before. I keep remembering yeah. his name. Did he have Colin Greenall? I think he had Colin, Colin Greenall. Yeah, yeah, Colin, Colin Greenall. I think he had David Pugh in there. Yeah. He had goalkeeper, who would he have had? Um, he was a t- I think he went for... Felgate. Yeah, for Dave Felgate, yeah. He was a toss-up between him and Billy Stewart. Um, so he had Billy for one year. And I would agree with him. But uh, Billy was a... Interesting for me, because from the brief time... I, I mean, I started watching him in the 90s, but Ronnie Sinclair probably still Ronnie, for me is probably yeah, yeah. one Ronnie, of my favourite. Ron, Ron, Ronnie was t- wasn't the tallest. Uh, Wayne Brown was maybe not the keeper he was because he was still young and coming through um, and had a great career out of the game. But I would say Ronnie Sinclair, between Ronnie and, and Billy, would be my choice. Yeah. Um, if I had to push you on, I would you go for it. I'm going to put, make a little note here. I'm going to straight 4 4 2 because it's the 90s. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, they're getting angry yeah. phone calls now. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, it'd be a toss-up between the two of them. And I'd actually say that I thought Billy did really, really well for us that year. Uh, yeah. And uh, right, we'll go, we'll go two centre halves. Two centre halves: Spencer Good choice. And Peter Jackson. Um, I always thought Spencer Whelan was was one who really had the chance to to kick on. I mean, the teams were looking at him during the, your time there, weren't they as well? Well, there's another one for you. Uh, chairman turned down 650 grand because he got, thought he could get more for him mm-hmm. and I told him to snap that out I said even fly him down in an helicopter hire a helicopter and fly him down and sell him um, and Was that during uh, the night? I can't remember when it was can't remember when it Under was Mark Gutterman's chairman Mark Gutterman, yeah. yeah and he, uh, he asked for a little bit too much and uh, yeah, they delved a little bit into his past yeah. shall we say but he was, he was a cultured footballer, wasn't he, Spencer? Hey, look, we sold him to Shoesby. I ended up with him at Shoesby, but unfortunately he had a, a bad injury and had to retire from the game. And I, I had a, I love Spenner, William. Spenner. He, he caused me a few problems at times, yeah. but I really, really enjoyed Because, you know, he was somebody that you know played in your position, but you want to improve, and I, I like to think that I did improve. Uh, I went to Shoesby and he was going through a really bad period, and I got there, and all of a sudden they're thinking, this is not the same Spenner Whelan. Yeah. You know, what have you done to him that's made him so much better than what we've bought? Um, I think that's just the way that you talk to players sometimes. And some players like the way that you coach them and some players don't. Though. I mean, Peter Jackson's a shoe in there because he was a, a stalwart for the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
Peter, you know, wasn't the quickest of players, but he was a leader as well. Yeah, he'd be your captain. Yeah, Peter would have uh, Ian Jenkins at left back, right back. Uh, sorry, at right back, right I'd, back I'd have yeah. Jenks. Yeah, Alex Smith. Oh, what a player! He came back for a second spell during early two thousand. Yeah. Still a great. Well, Miss Shearsby as well. Yeah. And I went through a few sort of fullbacks at there, and I got rid of a lad called Gregor Rioch and brought in uh, him. And the chairman said, "What have you brought him in for?" I said, "You asked me that question after the <coughs> game." And he played this, and they were like, "Wow, what the hell?" Um, I don't know what he's doing now, but he should have been a top player. He came yeah. back. Um, I mean, played kind of a central yeah. midfield role almost yeah. when he came back again. Yeah. But he was such a good football, yeah. technically yeah. so good. Um, if you go into to the outer midfield, are you having? Oh, um, this is a toughie because I have Chris Priest, I had Sean Reid, I had Flicker, but I, I play Flicker on the right. Dave Flicker. Yeah. I'd have Cyril up front. I mean that. He's um, even for that spell, given the fact yeah. he's 30, 37, 38, some of the stuff he um, could do. And, you know, I, I've, got, I've got to go with the lad Luke. Beckett. Luke Beckett. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've left out John Murphy and. Um, Honourable mentions. Yeah, you, you know, <laughs> John, John Murphy, I've, Andy Milner. Um, and I've got to give big debates, but I'd, I'd have to go in his period as Neil Fisher on the left. Um, and that because two, two central midfielders on, on the left hand side of the, the, the oh, what's his name Noteman Kevin Noteman, Kevin Noteman who was believe it or not used to get half a dozen chances a game and if he put four, 20% of them away then he'd be a Top player. To be a diamond. <laughs> he, that he penalty at Middlesbrough is still travelling. Yeah. Like. But I tell you what, he was he was a great lad and uh, took everything on board. Um, so I definitely go for Chris Priest. Chris Priest. Yeah. Right. yeah. So are we having are we having no in the team, are we? No. 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 Fish, Fish, Chris Priest and who else are you having in centre midfield? Your final spot. Lighty was good. Nick Richardson was oh okay, really good, really good. And then there was Sean, Sean Reed. But I go for Nick Richardson. Yeah. There we are. Good stuff. So we got Billy Stewart in goal, left back Alex Smith, Spencer Boylan and Jacko centre halves, yeah. Ian Jenkins midfield, Neil Fisher, Chris Priest, Nick Richardson, Dave Fleckcroft up front, Luke Beckett, yeah. Silver Regis. But I've, I've left out some great players oh, okay. like in Ross Davison, uh, Lightfoot. For me, I, in terms of wide players during that period when I was watching when yeah. you were manager, um, I always thought Sam Easton was. Uh, we had him on loan from, from yeah. Sunderland. Sam was. Um, I had him at Shrewsbury. He, his quality was poor at the end of the day his last ball was really poor and that's why he was with us because yeah. he could glide past he players um, beat three or four players around yeah, him with ease yeah, couldn't he yeah he had a great 
when I got him at Shrewsbury. When, when I took him from Peter, Peter at Sunderland and took him, then uh, Reedy got him back and he said how much he, you know, he was very complimentary of how much he'd improved. But then we got him back on loan again and how much he'd improved as his physique. Because I had actually told him to go away and work on his upper body strength because as a player, as a winger, you need to be stronger. He was quite slight. Yeah. And he was young. But I think he had issues off the pitch, did with Sam, family things mm. and everything. Um, I think he lost his mother and father very close together. I don't know the the full thing. So you have to deal with all these things yeah. as, a, as a manager. Well, Sam, you, you wouldn't get better quality than Neil Fisher. The no. one thing that Neil Fisher's gone back in me, he let me, he, he took his foot off the gas. We released him at the end of the year. And then um, the next year, going towards deadline I was struggling for a left sided player and he was playing for Connors Key Nomads I'd just signed one on loan from Wigan never seen him play which is very unusual for me to sign somebody who had never seen him play but I got advised by this scout take him he'll do you good uh, he comes in on the Thursday we train and I'm, I've, I've got him in my team against Swansea on the Saturday away from home and I'm thinking, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah we smashed in something from outside you know in this game nice left foot and everything but I'm not quite sure. I'm just not quite sure about him. I've taken a big gamble here. So uh, Neil Fisher comes on the phone. Um, it's one o'clock in the afternoon. I've heard you're looking for the left wing. Yeah, I'd love to have another chance and play for Connorsky. No, Matt's. I'm not as fit as what I was, you know, when I was playing. But I could get my fitness there. I'd love to be given another chance. Or whatever. I said, look, Neil. I says, so have you signed somebody? I said, what you're on? So he told me what he's on. It was like a fraction of what he's on. So I knew Neil, um, he was very apologetic, wanted another chance as if, you know. So I went to the chairman and I said, look, I'm getting for, you know, as little as this, but I'm thinking if we play him, I think we've got to give him a big bonus. And he went, yeah, go for it then. I said, it's only back up. So we got him, took him, we both, we all went down on the Saturday. Half time I said, get a trip, you're going on. And I threw him on. I could have thrown him on after 10 minutes, to be fair, but I was a little bit worried about his his fitness so mm. we went on in the second half pulled him in he more or less you know, for every time he played he doubled his he doubled his wage type of thing you know so if he, he had a, a, a small wage but really big appearance money just to make him because he knew what the wage structure was yeah. at the club played every game after that and I got give him another contract for the following year you know that's the, the game of football yeah. and people don't realise how lucky they are until actually that chance has been taken away you know, and I released him, and I, he come back and more than repaid. Because I think I went into him, and I've done this on another number of occasions with different players. That I've taken a contract away from them, and they proved themselves after three months, and I've given them another contract. You know, and I think sometimes, you know, it doesn't matter what you give them an incentive. You know, give them something to fight for. So, there's still an incentive. I mean, do you still? I know you, you, you've, you've helped to try to help out with various things with, with Chester in, in recent yeah. times. I mean, do you still... Does it still have a place in your, your heart to yeah, in terms yeah, of you'd yeah. like to see, yeah, see him restored to formal growth? There's a lot of familiar faces still there who, yeah, yeah, who yeah, you knew yourself. Yeah, um, I always worry about the way the club's being run. I always worry when the supporters being involved. Because then, as a football club should, it, keep certain things away from the supporters but because they think they're supporters they think they've got the divine right to know about it yeah, yeah. so that becomes a difficult part about it and there's uh, is there many clubs that have actually done well 
by you know being a supporters run club um, you still need a chairman you still need a board of directors but when the tough gets tougher who, 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 where's the money coming from yeah. sometimes well, there's a stigma to be involved in a football club and you know and don't really put any I've seen a lot of freeloaders at Chester I've seen a lot of freeloaders at other clubs as well where they come in they're in the boardroom they're eating the sandwiches they're having the cups of coffee they're having the beer after the game and the wine and the whiskey and whatever they might bring a bottle of whiskey to the game now and again nothing else they get a free ticket do you think there's ever uh, it's the, the grand hope is, is, is football league eventually I mean do you think that's ever a reality or has the game changed immeasurably um, since they, 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 they've come out of it because there's so much money even in non-league football now there's lads earning four grand a week how can how yeah can yeah how do, you get, how do you compete with that when you, maybe your budget's not that <laughs> yeah um, that is a difficult thing but like you say I still think that Leicester have given everybody this hope that maybe one day your club can be bigger and better than what it is um, need a lot of love because you know at the end of the day with the money that you're paying the players at Chester Football Club if anybody else comes in for them they're going to go yeah. so that's the problem you've got is keeping the players there having a board that's willing to have that gamble and I think the biggest problem you've got is that you know a lot of this is judged on the gates that you get my ambition at the football club was to get an average gates of 2.8 and people always thought, well, why do you get 2 8? Why, why is that an ambition? Why isn't it like being fourth or second mm. or first in the league? Well, the reason being is that you'd be up there if you're getting 2,800 there yeah. at the football club yeah. on an average through the season. Um, lot, you've got something like 1,200, I think, that maybe you, you'll get. Um, but after that, I don't know how many season tickets they've sold, but. You know, if it's anywhere near the thousand mark, you've done really, really well. It's just over the thousand mark for this this season. There's a bit, bit more of a um, a better feeling, certainly in terms of what's going on yeah, on the pitch. So yeah. it's uh, that, that still surprises me. You know that you've got over a thousand. Um, you know, so that's really really surprised me. I would have thought it'd be you know the five hundred mark. Well, I would have thought. Hopefully, we'll uh, we'll end this season on a on a high, and yeah. we can uh, we can get back to the national I league. So. I hope so. I hope so. I mean. Uh, I just find there's a big sort of ring around the place to where, you know, what's happening. Yeah. Um, because, you know, the, you know, Colin Murray was uh, highly involved in the promotion of that game uh, towards the end of the last season to bring in. I think over 50 grand was bought into that. Somebody else put some money in and this, that and the other. I think money come in from a player that went to Leicester, wasn't it? And there was all of a sudden 150 grand there. You can only do that as a one-off. You can't do that again. You can't be asking people to come out and support a football club. So you've got to look at yourself as a, a board of directors and chairman and think, like, well, am I doing this job as, as good as I think, as I can? Or is it too hard for me? Because you can't keep going back out there and uh, asking the public to, to give, uh, give the football club money. They'll do it once. They might do it again in another five, ten years' time, but you can't do it every year. Well, Kevin, thanks very much for, for talking to us. It's been um, it's been great to, to chat about what was a really important period in, in my life watching Chester as well. Because when <laughs> kind of my, uh, my my identity well, in terms I, I, of I like the way that we played football or tried to play football anyway. I mean, I was brought up to play football, and the coaching that I brought to the football club is what I did. But maybe on bigger areas, because I did that with the players yeah. a lot. 
I used to do a lot of the, the training that I did as a player, what I enjoyed as a player. Um, and the big one was that we used to train in an area of, uh, it was 5v2, and uh, we did it on this area, and then I kept bringing the area and area in and in and in until it was really 10 by 10. And the players were like, and I'd, I'd only let them do it for a couple of minutes, and then I'd stop it. And I said, well, that's, that's where you've got to get to if you want to be a Premier League player. You've got to be able to train on them in the same area with the same amount of people in it. But we used to do the same on a bigger area and slowly bring it in. And it was it was good to see that they were improving. Um, and that, that's all I was there for, really, I thought, too. Well, my job was to improve the players that I asked or brought in. Well, there were plenty of good times during during those nineties. Even if we did, did um, fall short on that one one occasion against <laughs> Swansea, but it's um, there, were, there were plenty of good times on on on, <clears throat> on the road today. So, Kevin, thanks very much for joining us, and we'll be back uh, next time. And we're working our way through through nineties nineties blues, 90s blues oh. players and managers. It was Eddie Bishop last time, so Kevin Ratcliffe this time. Not too sure where um, we'll be uh, in the next couple of weeks. But thanks very much for joining us, Kevin. Really yeah. appreciate your time. Yes.